0: Today on our show, we have the pleasure of talking to Emma Brassfield. Emma Brassfield is the owner of a business out of the UK called Studio 7T7. Studio 7T7 also has what's called the 7T7 Club. The 7T7 Club is a membership site where you can get different patterns from her every month. In our conversation today, we talked quite a bit about her making journey, and how she got to be the mastermind, designer, and business owner behind Studio 77. But before she started Studio 77, and this is coming directly from her website, you should check it out in her about section. She began creating magical creatures and wonderful characters for film and TV. Her credits include the Batsuit for Batman Begins, Mythical Creatures for Harry Potter, Chewbacca for Star Wars, The Flash for Justice League, and her most favorite creation, Eggle Pickle for the In Night Garden. All of that became a little bit too much, though, and we talk a lot about what it looks like to be on set. It's quite fascinating, something I had no experience with whatsoever, so it was fascinating to hear what being on set looked like and felt like. But once Emma had her eldest child, it became really challenging to continue to work for the studios and have a family life. And so that prompted her to begin sewing toys for children and selling them. And then as that progressed, and as she tried to to bring in more and more of a joy-filled life that would fulfill her need to be both a present parent and a creative human and have a little time to breathe, she began her business, Studio 7T7. She does sewing patterns, bag patterns and kits, and lots of tutorials on YouTube. So, all of her links are going to be in the show notes. So, without further ado, let's chat with Emma. You are listening to the In Kinship Podcast, a podcast for makers. Makers who crave a joy-filled, vibrant life on their own terms. And I am your host, Tina Vandenberg. Let's get started. Today's episode is sponsored by Kinship Handwork. Ah, I get to do that again. Here's why, you need to know something. I have just a couple of spots available for the fall retreat on Mackinac Island this October. We're going to sew knit pants, and then we're gonna take those pants and we're gonna make another version. You need different pockets, a different kind of fabric, different kind of cuts, different kind of waistband, whatever you're gonna to wanna to do. You get to be the designer of those second pair of pants get the fit down and then we're going to create something from your own dreaming brain so there are only a couple spots left Mackinac Island is a magical place where there are no cars allowed only horses and bikes and it's really quite sweet you have to register though before August 8th in order to join the retreat so jump on the website kinshiphandwork.com and check out retreats I would love to have you there and now on to our show. Today on our podcast, I have Emma Bresfield. Emma, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Emma, I love to start out by asking my guests if they identify as a maker, and if they do, if you can share with me who inspired you to become a maker, and maybe uh, the story of where you began and where you are now? Okay, so that is not an easy easy question. I definitely identify
1: as a maker. I've been a maker all my life, ever since I can remember. Um, I think my earliest memory was um, we have a show over here called Blue Peter. I don't know if you have that over there, but it's it's kind of an all-round show. But um, they also have a segment where they show you how to make something, or they used to when I was a kid. And um, do they have that in, Do you have it in in States?
0: No, not that I'm aware of. It sounds like a weird name now. It's
1: <laughs> out loud, yeah. but it's called Blue Peter. Um, and uh, yeah, so they had a part of that show, and they showed you how to make something. It was always out of like toilet rolls and sticky tape and all this <laughs> kind of stuff. So I... My earliest memory of making is pretending to be a blue Peter presenter and, you know, with a camera in front of me and all of that. And I just made stuff out of anything I get my hands on around the house. So that's my earliest kind of memories. Um, my earliest memories of sewing, because I am a, a sewist, is um, being somehow getting my hands on a sewing machine. I must have been about eight or nine. I remember being on my own and just working my way. I must have had a manual or something um, and just working my way through to make a pillowcase. Very, very straightforward, plain white cotton pillowcase. And I thought it was amazing, but I didn't have any other help. So that's, it just kind of ended there. Um, Cut to with making and being creative all my life. And then I um, was an exchange student in the States, in Illinois, and then they came back and everyone had kind of chosen what they were gonna do at college. So we do school until you're 16 and then we have an optional college between 16 and 18 years. And then we have a university, which I think is what you guys would call college as well, maybe, yeah. which is after that, which is when you do the degree. Um, so everybody had trends in what they're doing for their um, A levels for their college. So I sort of was a bit late because I've been in the States walked into textiles and just absolutely fell in love with it was yeah. like that's what I want to do um so I ended up doing that and that changed my whole life really because I fell into textiles fell into sub decoration absolutely loved it um and then I went on to do a degree at London College of Fashion doing um costume and special effects for films and tv so I did that Wow. And then after yeah, so that was a three year degree at university, and then after that I applied to um be a trainee on Harry Potter, the third Harry Potter, and I got that, and then I my career just kind of snowballed from there because it's all kind of who you know, um and right. went on to do lots of different films, and I did that for, well. I'm kind of still doing it a bit, still I have one toe in there. Um, but then uh, i had my kids, I've got two kids and the hours in films, as wonderful as it is, it's just crazy and it doesn't work with family life. So, um, yeah, so I quote unquote left the film industry in 2015 and was like, I'm going to make a game of my side hustle, which was making children's toys, sewing toys and they were all personalized and I had to do like CE process of testing them to be okay for kids. Da, da, da. And um, yeah, I did that full time. And then people were asking me about my patterns and if they can make what I was making. Mm-hmm. And then finally, and I'd wanted to for ages in 2020, and I know it's a little bit cliche because a lot of people did this, but I started my YouTube channel yeah, and um, that kind of took off. And then at the end of t- one I brought out my first pattern and then um March last year I started my pattern membership um so yeah that's the kind of right yeah whoa
0: all right I have lots of questions in there so let's go back to um I think it was when you were in college and you said you like to do surface design I believe
1: yeah yeah tell us what
0: that was like
1: so that was kind of, we had the best teacher. Her name was Nikki, she was amazing. And it was all like, go to the the dump and get, um, get some rusty old pans and then paint what they look like. You know, it was very arty, but with a textile tank. So we'd paint it all and we'd, you know, crumple up paper and chuck different bits of threads and fibers on it. And then we'd chuck it all through the sewing machine and we'd stitch into it and it was, just so much fun. I remember when I went to get a machine uh, for myself, my very first sewing machine, which I've still got. And I went, you know, we were told, oh, this is a good shop to go to. So we went into the shop. Obviously, this is before the internet, and um, and uh, yeah, and went into the shop, and they were like, oh yeah, I know that course. You you need to be like putting metal and stuff through this machine. Did I think, yeah. I like, yeah, give me the strongest machine.
0: You've
1: got. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was lots of fun, lots uh, very arty, very kind of um, very creative. Yeah, no, no construction though. There was no, we didn't make any clay. I, I did for my final piece, but only because I wanted to make the surface turn into a thing. And yeah, ultimately, we weren't taught any of that um, until I went to university. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So now let's move forward a little bit and yeah. tell us, if you will, like paint a picture of a day on a film, any film, doesn't matter. You pick whatever you want to pick, okay. but paint yeah. a picture of what your day looked like and what you actually did throughout the day.
1: Okay. So, uh, well, there's kind of two sides to the job. So you either are on set or you're in the workroom, and I, what I do is is creature effects. So it's all like the crazy, big costumes, animatronics, um, big hairy characters, yeah. body padding—very typical. Um, yeah. Some people call it like soft sculpture,
0: okay. um,
1: but it's all sewing side of that. Uh, and within the, the creature effects department, there are many mini departments. So you've got like the animatronics people that do all the mechanics. And then you have us, the fabrication is cool. We're called fabricators and we obviously do all the fabric side of it. But we also do the the soft understructure, the paddings, the foam. Um, You know, Imagine sometimes there's um, a mechanic that that needs to have soft edges, things like that. So it could be something as basic as just making like a little lump out of foam to make the then skin glide nicely over that bit of, and you know, it can be something as small as that. Or it can be completely fabricated where the whole thing is soft bones, um, fabrics, quin- uh, quinoline, you know, structures and stuff. Let's do a 50-50. So okay. right. if, if, you're, if you're on set, you would be there early. So normally the cam- you'd need to be on camera for eight. So you'd be there at anything, depending, depending on the creature. But if you're dressing someone, you might need to be there an hour, an hour and a half before. Um, if they've been in makeup, sometimes you have to get there, not too often, but sometimes you have to get there before they go into makeup to give them their garments. Right. To then go into makeup maybe for three, four hours. Then they come to you, so they've got just their head down and you put on their body, it's things like, like there's all different variables. right? So it's like they always say hurry up and wait. Right. So you're kind of it's like all go, all go, all go. Get them onto set and then they're not ready for you. Even though they tell you you need to be ready for eight, there's different things going on, the lighting setup hasn't been done, or there's something else happening first. So then sometimes you just literally sit and wait. There's a lot of waiting around when you're working on set. And then when you are actually when your character is in front of the camera, then it's Busy, 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 because you're checking that everything looks right. If they've got hair, that there's not any hair out of place. Um, although that's technically could be another department as well. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of variables. And then, um, yeah, you're just making sure that the performer inside is okay as well. Lots of looking after, sort of like caring for them, if you like. Caring to the wrong word, because obviously completely able but um right you know often they yeah. don't have any access to their hands so <laughs> right it's things, yeah so it's things like giving them water um coordinating with them if they they need a loo break or something with the assistant directors things like that lots of things like that to go on fixing yeah. things obviously things break sometimes things break in between a take and it's you have to fix it before anybody realizes because you don't want to be the one holding up A massive crew because it's like, you know, tens of thousands of pounds every minute, millisecond or whatever it is. So um that could be stressful. You know, you could be sitting around literally for hours. You could be waiting all day and uh you've been in since like six o'clock, waiting all day, and then finally you go on set at 5 p.m. and then something breaks and it's like uh, you know, craziness. Um, but then In contrast to that, if you're in the workroom, again, every day is different. It's one of those jobs that you never have the same day, Um, but you might be doing some R&D, you might, you know, on a different structure to how to make the thing that you're making work. Um, You might just be sewing on poppers all day, depending on what, you know, what's needed. Um, Then you might have a fitting, you might have the costume designer liaise with you if there's a costume to go with the creature, you know, so yeah, and then um usually 11 hour a day. So workroom, you normally start at eight, finish at seven, six, seven, something like that. So it's a long day. And then obviously you have to travel home. Right, um, right.
0: But yeah, yes. <laughs> right, I have questions within this. Like this is okay. so fascinating because it's, it is <laughs> miles away from my own existence. And so I think this is so interesting. Um, And I can't wait to get to what you're doing now, too, because I think that following your own path is also that I can relate to better than I can relate to film. But all right. So I'm trying to picture what you're talking about. So I'm picturing you waiting around. What do you do with your time when you're waiting? Do do, do you do anything? Are you knitting? Are you sewing? Are you reading? Are you just sitting and watching the show?
1: Well, normally you're so even if you're on a Senate, obviously you can watch the filming. You can either watch it depending on the the set. If you're outside, then you can pretty much watch it. If you're inside and and it's like quite a small enclosed set, you can't obviously be next to the action, but you can be watching a monitor usually. Not always, depending on how many monitors they have, but you can watch a little bit of what's going on. Um, but obviously, they do a lot of takes. So that can yeah. be a little bit monotonous sometimes. Sure. Um, yeah, people read. Most people just look at their phones nowadays. But yeah, people read. You do see some people doing yeah knitting or just chatting, really. Um, yeah. Going to craft services, which is like uh, a free Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, every plant <laughs> which is little. Talks. right. Um, or well, you know, all doing repairs. There might be repairs to be done. There might be ongoing. You know, sometimes you're on set in between being in the workroom, so you might take some stuff from the workroom onto set in case you're standing
0: by. Yeah, and I would imagine, and I could be completely wrong on this because again, this is a world that I know nothing about. I would imagine that a lot of the work that that you just described gets replaced by computer-generated imagery. Is that true or not?
1: Not always. It depends what it is. And it depends on the director and their vision yeah. and their kind of relationship with CGI. Um, yeah, I mean, some things I've done, absolutely. So uh, the first Harry Potter that I did was uh, Harry Potter and the Prison of Azkaban. And there's a werewolf in that, as you probably know if you've seen it. Yeah. And it we spent months and months making a real werewolf with um, three guys in their hours and hours, weeks, not hours, weeks and months of training. Yeah. And the mechanics made these amazing stilts that made him look like they had these dog legs and very clever. Um. And the actual film, it's completely CG. It's amazing. If you go on the tour in London, you can see the original suit uh, for him. But, yeah, it's all CG in the film. So, yeah, it
0: just depends. Wow. That is amazing. That is amazing. (laughs) So I can completely understand how that would not fit family life all that well, but do you miss that kind of work? Or are you happy to have had that experience and now moving on?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to have had that experience and moving on. And I'm sure I will dip my toe in every now and then. I mean, most people know that I've kind of quote unquote quit the industry Yeah, and I know that I'm super busy doing this. So they don't ask. Um, but I didn't really enjoy it. The people were really lovely. I made some really lovely friends. Yeah. Um. But it, it is quite cut through as well, you know, because it's freelance. You could literally lose your job at any time, really, because it's one of those industries that everybody wants to do. So um, yeah. it that kind of paranoia and everything, mm-hmm. I don't miss that at all. Not one bit. And obviously it's not employed. It's freelance and yeah. obviously I'm still doing that so you might think you're on a job for for like the next few months and then it's like I oh know everyone's going next week and then you have to sort of ring round again right. and you do sort of fall into that pattern because you meet so many people that your ears are low to the ground and you can jump from job to job pretty easily right. um, but it can be stressful especially in the early years it was quite it was quite stressful um,
0: but yeah I can imagine. So there are two things that came to mind for me. So one is that my dad built houses as a carpenter when he was in his working years. Right. And so every time we would drive anywhere, if there was a house that he had built, we'd have to stop. We'd have to look at the house. Right. And he'd have to have a story about the house. And so I wonder (laughs) if when you watch a film, if you're like, pause the film. I did this werewolf right there. (laughs) See this? Like, does that happen to you? yeah it should yeah, it should happen
1: that of your life, you know, yeah. and especially um sorry that first Harry Potter I mean that was my first big film. Yeah. everything was super exciting um you know, we went through and also Harry Potter because it stayed in that one place for like yeah. ten years, right and so they had all the sets there, um yeah. so you know you'd literally walk around through the sets to your lunch um to the lunch hall you know so you just wonder oh there's this new set being built oh that's cool that's yeah whatever you know great right hall or whatever and you just go and have a little mooch um which you can't do as much nowadays because the security is much tighter yeah
0: <laughs> i have a really good friend who 10 years ago left i live in michigan and she left mm-hmm. michigan to sail the world so she works on she's got a captain's license and she works on various um sailing vessels i don't have the right terminology but she works on various sailing vessels and it's kind of gig per gig right it's like you know she's gonna be sailing from the antarctic to norway i don't know that would ever happen but you know as an example and then she's not sure what she's gonna do after that but like there is a community so it does end up kind of she can leapfrog through things, but I imagine that same way. And I know that after 10 years, it's worn thin. She's yeah. kind of like, I'm tired of not having a little more stability. And obviously, as a small business owner, like I am and you are as well, mm-hmm. there's also mm-hmm. that insecurity or the uncertainty in there, but it's not um, it's much more in your own control and not so much in yeah. somebody else's. Yeah,
1: you get to have a say on how your day looks, how your day went within reason, obviously, certain things you get up to do that you just have to kind of you know get on with it right um but but yeah ultimately you know if you know if it's starting to go downhill you know about it and you can do a certain amount of control to try and steer it back yeah
0: yeah so um before you tell us about your venture now about sewing children's choice and then the pattern membership where are you located I'm in Surrey, which is just uh, south of London, Okay, kind of southwest of London. So tell us about your shift then to motherhood and to uh, creating toys and the new pattern business that you have now.
1: Yeah. So in 2011, I had my eldest mm-hmm. and I was still working very much in film when that happened. Um, and I was working on a particularly long hours job. It was on um, Star Wars and I was on set for like six months. And uh, like I, like I told you, when you're on set as well, you don't get home to, it could be not going home till 10 and you're absolutely shattered, you know. Right. And um, and so I didn't see her from Monday to Friday for pretty much six months. And that's that was the kind of like, okay, this has to change. Yeah. So that's when I quote unquote left. I say quote unquote because I did go back part time. Um, there wasn't really much part time going on before I left, but then lots of people were becoming mums, and the, the our sort of part of the industry changed a little bit. Yeah. Um, and is a bit more open to it now. So I had her, and uh, I decided I was going to leave the film industry, and at the same time, just. Pretty much when she was born, I started up that Christmas. I started up my toy making business. Yeah, um, it started off uh, completely different. I was making her accessories. Uh, quickly realised that that wasn't doing very well, despite everybody loving them. Nobody wanted to buy them, but that's a long story. <laughs> um, and then realised that people people wanted these things that I was making for my daughter. So that's where Studio Seventy Seven uh, was born, making these toys for her and her friends and things like that. And so then I built up a business that way. It did really well. And it was, like I say, when I was on Star Wars, that I was like, oh, hang on. The business is doing quite well. Maybe I can, you know, take a big pay cut, but try and make a go of it, try and make it work. Um, and that that's what I did. Um, yeah. And it did do really well. But I did, did become a bit of a factory. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want that. That's not really why I'm a maker i don't I don't want to be churning out yeah you know, three hundred of one thing kind of thing Mm-mm. um so it was then I realized well, I could teach other people well people were asking me as well, and I just thought I could teach other people how to make these things so that everybody can make them for their children. So mm-hmm. it started off like that, and um I was getting into the headspace, and there's all this kind of procrastinating, especially with YouTube. I hear this so much from other YouTubers that yeah. say, oh yeah, I wanted to start it like three years ago, but you feel like it, you want to do it, but it's like, oh no, the tech, I don't know about the tech. Okay, I'll I'll sit on that for a few months. And then it's like, oh, what about um, what am I going to do first? Or oh, I'll sit on that for a few months. Or what about saying, like, you know, what are people going to think? All of that, it all hmm. mounts up. And it, for some reason it takes ages to start. Yeah. So I that's what happened. And then when I started YouTube, I realized that one way that I needed to build my channel uh, because I did want to get monetized, that was as part part of my plan, Mm -hmm. um, was to do free patterns. So then my sort of paid patterns got pushed to the side while I built built up the YouTube. It was also in lockdown and everything. So, um, and it was really fun. I absolutely loved it. And uh, I did get monetized in about six months, which was amazing. Um, And then, yeah, now I'd like to do more kind of general content for YouTube, but now it's mostly the tutorials to go with my patterns um, at the moment. So then I brought out my first pattern, like I say, at the end of 2021. And that did really, people tell me it did really well for first pattern. So, you know, it's hard to know, isn't it? But I was really pleased with that. And then I knew I wanted to do some kind of like Patreon membership type thing to go with the youtube channel but i didn't want to do patreon because a lot of people have a little bit of negativity about the patreon platform i don't know oh. why i've certainly got no issues with it but from yeah. what i was reading about it um and i read lots of things about how it can be overwhelming if there's different tiers and i was trying to sort of find my way and then i thought well one way to offer lots of value was to do a pattern membership where they get a pattern every month, they get the community to go with it, everybody's sewing the same thing, so we can all get excited about the same thing. Yeah. You know, what do you think about these fabrics? Or I'm stuck on this bit. Can anybody help me? You know, or or just general sewing questions um, that they feel that they can ask in a safe private space. Right. And um, so that that was that was where the 77 Club was born. And yeah, it's it's been absolutely brilliant. I'm so so happy that I started it. The community that we're building, they are just the loveliest people, so supportive. Yeah. You know, a new member comes in and everyone's like, Hi, hi, hi. Um, and you can share anything about your day and it doesn't have to be sewing related and people will be like, Oh yeah, you know, had this for tea, or has anybody got any recipes? Or here's my grandmother's macaroni and cheese recipe or <laughs> you know, like <laughs> right. No, I think most people come for the pattern. They see a pattern because I promote the pattern every month. Because like, there's a new pattern every month. And I think most people go, Oh yeah, I want that pattern and I want it now because it's exclusive to Cup. You can't get it anywhere else when it comes out. Yeah. So they go, Oh yeah. And they join and then they realize that there's this amazing community. Yeah. Um, and then they stay because they make friends, which is which is really, really wonderful. And that's what I'd hoped to have um, and you know there's other perks like you get ad free videos so you don't have to put all those adverts like you get normally on youtube um, which is great when it's like a you know it's a 40 minute tutorial and you want to serve along yeah. you haven't got you haven't got that to worry about um, there's extra content we do giveaways and competitions which i love uh zoom chats it's been really lovely and it's uh, it's a lot of work coming up with a new pattern every month Mm-hmm. Like um, I've seen some polls and groups, and most designers do like one a quarter, one every other month, that kind of thing. Um, so doing a pattern every month is quite full-on. Um, but by my nature, I am quite full-on, so that's okay. <laughs> um, Great. and I, I I just love it. I've got so many ideas, so
0: that's not an issue. <laughs> that's amazing because I was going to ask that. Today's podcast is sponsored by Kinship Handwork. Today, I specifically want to talk to you about the fall retreat this fall of 2023 on Mackinac Island. Our focus for this retreat is going to be on sewing and getting the fit down for some knit pants. And when I'm talking about knit pants, I'm talking like these could be something like a jogger, they could be something like a yoga pant, they could be with the right material, something that you would wear to the office, they could be any range within. They've got pockets already designed in the pattern. So we're gonna make the pants, we're gonna get the fit down, and then we're gonna take that pattern and we're gonna make something new. And when I say something new, I don't mean like a tree. I mean <laughs> like we're gonna take those pants and we're gonna make a different iteration of those pants. Maybe you're gonna change the pocket, maybe you're gonna add a cuff and make it into a jogger, all sorts of different things. You get to be the designer and we're gonna have so much fun doing it i absolutely love showing people how to take a pattern or a block whatever they might have and show them how to create the things that are in their dreams and in their brain i think it's such amazing stuff to have an idea for something figure out how to take it from the two-dimensional to the three-dimensional and create what you're planning to make so that's what we focus on but that's all we focus on we also focus on doing things like a sacred morning circle We talk about things that are important to us. And then we end our sewing day with Koya dance, which is like dance, stretch, movement, mindfulness, all wrapped up into one. And then we gather and we do beautiful things like eat together. And every time I have a retreat, there's always something special out of the norm of sewing that we do together as well. So jump on the website, kinshiphandwork.com and check it out. Click on retreats. I had a membership for a while. I do garment sewing and I teach women how to, Mm -hmm. how to take garments, fit it to their body and then hack it into new designs, right? That's really my forte. And so I did a membership for about a year and a half and it was really lovely and I absolutely adored it. Um, But because I wanted to begin with just core patterns and then do uh, hacking or changing kind of work with it there came a time and I don't know, maybe it's just my nature, but there came a time when it was hard to feel inspiration to know what I was going to teach the next month, what was going to be part of the next Mm -hmm. month. So I love that you have Mm. so many ideas that it's not a problem. (laughs) Like that's really beautiful because that was where I started to fall short on it. And I'm not sure if that's because, because now that I'm talking to you about it and it's been done for a year and I did other things this last year, I thought, you know, that I could have done that differently than I did. And it, just came to my mind as we're talking um but i want to say like i think that's really amazing and i also love it sounds magical what you talk about as far as your community goes is your community based out of um facebook or does it have its own community someplace else no it's on facebook
1: um i found that most sewing people are on facebook Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the kind of platform that they're on. And I am addicted to Facebook myself. um, <laughs> right. so it was, um I know that, you know, it's it's quite good because it remind you know, you're on there anyway. So it yeah. reminds people to, to dip back in, say hello or they see the posts and they help each other. Whereas I feel like if it was on another platform, they may forget to log in. Yeah. You know, they won't be on it as much, whereas Facebook is a natural habitat for most people anyway. Yes. Um, so it's quite easy to get used to it. It's not, a, there's no learning curves because they know exactly how it works.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. So in my membership, I used Facebook for a long time. And then in my platform that I use for my courses, I use the chat community function of that. And the engagement is just very different. And I know um, there's something to be said for putting your business where people naturally are anyway and
1: Mm -hmm. so then
0: you get that engagement in a different way so that's really interesting okay wow is that a fun story i am just in awe and i i i have this whole new vision for how creatures are made and how how (laughs) the set is made in film and i know i i just have like the tiniest knowledge right now but it just has blown up in my whole experience around it and i just appreciate that so when you're not working on your business, when you're not being creative as your career, are there other ways in which you are a maker that you don't do in your career?
1: Yeah, so I I mean, I'm always great. <laughs> I've been a face painter before for like 15 years. I was a face painter. Um, wait, 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 wait.
0: Where would you paint faces?
1: Where? Oh, everywhere. Pouty, corporate vans.
0: whatever they'd have
1: me (laughs) and I loved that that's really creative and you could really you you were pushed out I was pushed out of my comfort zone a lot because you'd get kids come up to you going I want to be a lizard tiger that's that's black and purple or something and you'd be like okay (laughs) you got it (laughs) I can do that
0: yeah got Um, it
1: yeah I can do that um yeah, so it was it was really creative. But the reason why I needed to stop that was again, I left the film industry to spend time with my family. Right. And face painting is always at the weekends and evenings, mostly during the day. Yeah. So it was like I've I've left one thing to just push it all to the weekend. Yeah. And, you know, and and also a small thing, but we're a one car family, so there was that. You'd have the car, we'd go away away, quote unquote, for the whole weekend, at in, dipping in and out of yeah. the house, but I would have the car with me the whole time, so the rest of my husband and my two kids couldn't really do much, um, and meanwhile, I wasn't spending time with them, right. so that was an important decision, but it was really hard, and I kind of have the pandemic to thank for that, because I don't think, I think I'd still probably be face fainting, because it is so fun, it's of so creative, you get to go to these amazing houses and these amazing events and kind of be a fly on the wall a bit. And, um, and it, and it's fun and it pays well. So it's sort of like
0: mm-hmm. the hours are just shocking. One of the things I like to explore on the podcast is the idea that we have more control over our lives than we think we do, that we have the mm-hmm. ability to add joy and vibrancy to our lives by the way that we choose to live. And I I'm doing it through the lens of makers because I'm a maker and I like to talk to other makers and I find their stories fascinating. But I also think that makers it kind of inherently have this, I can do that. Like, you know, Oh, I can make that kind of a sense about them. And so I bet you, I get, I'm guessing that that extends to creating the life that they want. So I wonder if you have anything that you would do on a regular basis in your life that brings you joy that isn't directly related to what we already talked about.
1: Yeah. And so I, I am also making my way towards a handmade wardrobe slowly and yes. um, very slowly because I don't, you know, when you have your own business, you don't have that much time. Mm-hmm. That's sort of it. Especially not time on your own. I've just got into English paper piecing as well. Oh. Um, because as part of being a man, I'm often carting the kids around to different clubs, waiting in the car, waiting on the side mm. of the pool. My eldest daughter does lots of swimming. And the brilliant thing about the swimming pools that she goes to is there's no um, signal. So I can't use the excuse to sit there and do some work, do some promotion, make some Canva templates or whatever, you know, all this stuff that you have to be online for. Yeah, I can't, I physically can't do it. So yeah. um, I found English paper piecing and and that was actually from Quilt on, Randy from Quilter on Fire, if you know her. Mm-mm. She has a podcast. You should check it. Okay. And um, she happened to be in the UK and I do a, a tip of the day every Thursday. And uh, we were going to meet up for a coffee and I said, oh, well, I do my tip of the day then. And then she said, well, why don't I help you with your tip of the day and we can do some... But uh, EPP, and I was like, amazing. So she kind of taught me and showed and, and showed my um, community some tips and stuff. And that's a free for everyone, that tip of the day, everyone on Facebook. But anyway, I was a bit intrigued. So then when I've had all this time where I can't yeah. use my phone, I can't use the internet, I thought, well, I need a project that's on the go, that's hand sewing or something. So mm-hmm. I found EPP, basically. Yeah. So I've just done one project with that um absolutely loved it and definitely want to branch into that more yeah um but yeah as as far as creativity goes um that's kind of what I've been doing and then I love just going for walks in the woods as well which I don't know if that's
0: creative but it's good for the good for the mind and so yeah well I think it's part of living a vibrant life you know like knowing yeah. what it is you need and going for it yeah it's really beautiful <laughs> Emma this conversation has been so much fun I'm fascinated with your story and I have one more question for you. And then after that, I wonder if you can tell my listeners where they can find your YouTube channel and how they can find you online um, as well. So, but before we do that, I have a question that I ask everybody that I talk to on my podcast. And I wonder if you could share what you wish people knew deeper in their hearts that you think they might not know.
1: Well, I wish that everybody knew that everybody is creative. I think, I really think it's like sport, that everybody has a sport. Yeah. It's just whether you want to find it and if you're able to find it. So creativity is the same thing. I haven't found my sport yet, by the way. <laughs> Warking but in I'm the woods is not. a sport. <laughs> <Yeah, maybe. laughs> yeah.
0: like, I
1: mean, sewing sewing can be my sport. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, <laughs> You know, some people would be great at, at the written words. Some people would be great at drama, singing. You know, it doesn't have to be that kind of stereotype uh, creativity. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be making things. Yeah. But I do believe that everybody is creative. I think we as humans are inherently creative. And um, I feel sad that some people never find that. And yeah. I, I wish that people would keep trying different things if they see you know a local workshop and they think oh pottery yeah that might be my jam and just try it it doesn't you've got nothing to lose yeah so what you might make a blob of clay don't have to tell anyone about it Like, <laughs> or just be proud that you've tried and and had a go and that might be the best blob of clay ever made you know you never know
0: <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more I think that if we need a reminder that everyone is creative, just look at children, right? Just look at your children. Just look at anyone's children. And before we start to um, hold them away and give them something else for their brain to engage with, like screens and video, before that time when they've got space in front of them, they make things all the time. Mm-hmm. And that that doesn't yeah. leave us. We just bury it, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Emma, you are such a joy. Thank you so much for being here. I thoroughly enjoyed Thank this. You. Can you share with my listeners where they can find you and where they can see your videos, where they can find out about your patterns? Give them all the information.
1: <laughs> so you can find
0: me everywhere. I'm on TikTok,
1: Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all under Studio 7 And I have to pronounce it like that because it's number seven, letter T, number seven mm-hmm. um i do loads of reels over on instagram and try and give as much you know tips and techniques as i can i'm definitely i'm not one of those ones that like oh i'm gonna hold that bit of information to myself i want you know i want to help everybody to say because the, the joy in that is amazing yeah. um so yeah and then um i'm also if you're listening in the uk i'm also a guest presenter on a shopping channel called sewing street as well so go on there about once every month. So yeah, so you can find me over there. Um, and if you want to, uh, if you like lives and getting involved and having a chat, every Thursday at 8 p.m. GMT, uh, which is UK time, I am live on the Facebook page. Um, and I also have a Facebook group, which you can find on UK. And if you look for Studio 77, but it's called So Create and Craft as well.
0: Very nice. I think that's a- and- I will <laughs> I will post all of that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to find some of that, that will be in the show notes. Emma, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wasn't that just as good as I told you it was going to be? Emma is so much fun. And it's so interesting to like get into somebody else's day and see what that looks like. I know that I'm like sort of focused or fascinated by the film industry because wow it's like something I've never experienced before and something I probably never want to work in but I love the idea of it and I love the idea that Emma's sitting there watching Star Wars and Chewbacca walks out and she's like hey I did that costume right like that's pretty amazing so I'm so glad that you are here and I hope that you enjoyed the show as well jump on the website and sign up for my newsletter You'll not only get email reminders when I have a new podcast, but you'll also get the newsletters that I send on the weeks that I don't have a podcast, kinshiphandwork.com. And finally, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Kinship Handwork. Again, I wanted to jump in and just remind you that the retreat for the fall has just a couple of spaces left. And registration is going to end in early August. So jump on the website, kinshiphandwork.com, and click on retreats. You're going to want to join us. It is so much fun. And listen, if you are looking at the logistics of getting from wherever the beautiful place that you are is to Makana Island, shoot me an email. I would love to help you figure out how to get from there to here. Have a wonderful day.